the two divides. In this episode of Basic Freedoms, Ari Gold sits down with actor Craig Stark. Recently, Craig gave us a memorable performance in Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. It's a fun episode. Craig has got a lot to say about his many endeavors in Hollywood, California. You can also watch episodes and follow us at basicfreedoms.tv. Are we rolling phone sound? Yes. Are we rolling? You're ready, you're, ready, you're ready to do this? You can cut that the... in. <laughs> wait a second. We're rolling? <laughs> Here's uh, to the bad guys. They only think they're well, doing right. It's just that they get their comeuppance in the good story. Well, you got a real comeuppance in um, Hateful Eight. Here's to my comeuppance. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Here's to my comeuppance <laughs> in Hateful Eight. Right. Uh, how did uh, your old friends and family back home feel about you or um, the role you played in Hateful Eight? You know, my mom told me she was bringing the, uh, the the Sunday school group and I had to tell her at that point what she was going to see. So I kind of let the air out. How, how did you put it? I said, Mom, I'm tortured by Sam Jackson and I'm naked. And she goes, oh, 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 Lord. I said, yeah, it's it's acting, Mom. Ari and Craig tell us how they met. You can also watch episodes and follow us at basicfreedoms.tv. Wow. Wow. I think we met at my coffee shop. That's right. Big and tall. I mean, mine and along with other people. I own the video department before the Internet. Before the Internet. (coughs) Yeah. Before DVD, right? Or was it DVD? No, before DVD. It was VHS. It was all VHS tape, you, yeah. You had all the best movies in town, right? Yeah, well, at the, I mean, it was me and a couple of people, you know, like video, what was it, Video Onyx or down in Vidiots. the... Vidiots? Vidiots, yeah. And, and then uh, there was Rocket Video. And then there was Quentin's down in... Uh, oh, no, he was already shooting films by then. He was already... He'd already shot... But he had worked at, at he had Vidiots, worked at, right? No, no, he had worked down in Orange County at a big house. Oh, really? Down there, okay. yeah. Is that how you met Quentin? Uh, uh, hmm. Through the world of video collectors and Not obsessed well. movie watchers? In a sense, yeah, because we have mutual friends that... Uh, uh, we have a mutual friend of Scotty Spiegel, whom I think you've met. No? No. Maybe. Anyway, Scotty did a, um, a horror film that I was in called Intruder, which was Lawrence Bender's first film that he produced okay so i met quentin back then because uh lawrence produced this movie and he's friends with scott spiegel and looping it all back is scott has uh, an apartment that is like a video store Uh so we all used to congregate there and to watch movies to watch movies and have barbecues and that's at a barbecue was when uh lawrence met quentin there uh-huh. And that's when they got together and made Reservoir Dogs. And the rest is history, folks. You have a fascinating story in that you come from a small town in Louisiana and ended up... Very small. ...in Hollywood. And talk, I'd love to hear a little bit about how that happened. Or I know the story. I'd love to share <laughs> the story. You heard this a thousand... Oh, well, well, it look. comes out differently each time. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, well... Very small town, 3,000 people, De Quincey, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. 
And I um, was it a um, oil town or what was lumber, the... lumber, lumber, lumber industry deep in the forest at thirty miles above Lake Charles. You know how Louisiana is shaped like a boot? Mm-hmm. We're in the hill of the boot, the dirty hill, okay. as we used to call it. Okay. Anyway, um, I I ran well, ran away, left. But when I got here, I was sixteen. And uh, I just turned... Sorry, rewind a second. You came here at age 16. Yeah. Hitchhiking, bus. How did you get out? What uh, was, I came what, in a Lincoln book? Continental Mark IV. Uh, and gas was about 30 cents a gallon, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was car, car had... Yeah, it was it, it, it was... I think it was my dad's car. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have bought us such a an adult car. You know, it was... Mm-hmm. You know, I was 16. Anyway, I and was so on my way. It was one out. of his years when he was riding high because he's a, a gambler. So he was right. one of his up years. He had an extra car well, to give his son, or what? Well, no, 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 no. Um, he had done well in earnest. On he had a convenience store, like a Seven mm-hmm. Eleven type things. It was called mm-hmm. Dandy Dan's at the time. That was my nickname in high school mm-hmm. by all the Dandy Dan people that were cool. Or Dandy you know? Craig. Dandy Dan's because that in was... In honor of your dad. Yeah, store. yeah. Yeah, okay. my dad. But, you know, my dad's one of those guys that could walk into a bank and charm the banker mm-hmm. into giving him a loan. And, you know, and everybody, you know, like it was more of a relationship thing back then. But anyway, yeah, this was before he hit Struck Oil. He owned a small percentage in one of the uh, oil wells that was one of the biggest in Louisiana history. Oh, wow. And Louisiana is a big oil-producing state, but you know there was that, and along with Danny Dance, he opened up a supermarket, and I was bag boy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always volunteered to go outside and work in the sun because I don't know, that's a whole nother story. I wanted to get away from people, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I gathered, I mowed lawns really that summer, uh, and I, I gathered up three thousand dollars. This is 1981. So $3,000 in 1981 was a lot of money. Got my first apartment on Laurel Canyon, $238 a month. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stop for a second. Something got a kid from so, Louisiana and driving his dad's car out to Los Angeles, which must have seemed like some crazy, you know, netherworld. What got you into a car and to driving out here? Did you have a lead? Did you have... Did somebody say, hey, you should be an actor? Did you even want to be an actor? What drove the kid from De Quincey, Louisiana, here? Well, I wanted to be an actor. Okay. I mean, so you knew that before? Yeah, I knew it, but I thought, you know, how is it? it going to Los Angeles was like going to Mars. This is pre-internet. Oh, I can imagine. It must yeah. have seemed insane. And I didn't know anyone out here. Yeah. So it was... So you just drove, you got here, and here I am? Yeah, I, my first night was on Sunset in a... Motel that I don't even I don't even I don't even, I don't think it's up anymore. They may have mm-hmm. torn, torn it down, but um, yeah. So I was here, and actually that car plays into my job. Uh, the first job I, I got was I was a guard for Marlon Brando with that car as a gate. Uh, it was a blocking. Uh, somebody had escaped from an insane asylum and crashed Marlin's gate. And I had just gotten a job with Bel Air Patrol. And Marlin had the oldest guard up there from what I remember. And he called down saying, you know, I want the youngest guard, you know. 
<laughs> that was youngest, me. meaning toughest. Like, what was he want? Why did well, he want I the think, youngest? I think since we, he had the oldest, right? I think that's so what he, he was sort of jumping down to. Yeah. You know. Or, or maybe that's how they interpreted it. You know, Marlon was very intimidating. You know, just by talking I mean, to this him. This is know. like hitting the jackpot. A, you know, a kid from Louisiana is just working as a security guard in L.A. wants to be an actor, and Marlon Brando says, "Yeah, send send some random kid up." And and they what happened? They come to you and say, "Yeah, Greg, we want you to go up to um, Marlon Brando's house and block his gate with your car." No, and no. So, well, back in those days, pre nine one one, right? They didn't let me know anything. Mm-hmm. I just drove my car up there. You didn't know it was Marlon. I didn't know who I was guarding or what I was supposed to be doing, other than like back then we had a walkie-talkie. <laughs> High tech. High tech. And we would call. You know, I, I I forget what the what the what the order was. It was called uh, uh, visualize and respond, or, or it was something better than that. But <clears throat> Marlon and I had a laugh over that. Anyway, yeah, so he came, yeah, I got there, he came walking down the driveway, and I thought, excuse my French, um, that looks a lot like Marlon Brando, you know? This guy, you know, he's getting getting closer and closer, and I'm thinking, this is Marlon Brando, you know? And I remember my knees, uh, you know how they can knock? Yeah. My kneecaps were going up and down And you're sitting in the car. No, I'm standing up standing by this it. point because he's walking towards me down the driveway. And he gets there and he goes, uh, there's a guy that, you know, it's, he's, uh, uh. <laughs> he was funny. He was really funny. He was like, um, you know, there's a guy that escaped from an insane asylum and he crashed the gate. I don't know if they've told you this, but look, when when you if you see him, don't don't hurt him. Just let me know, you know. And, and, and I, I was like, wow, man, you know, this guy really cared because a year before John Lennon had gotten shot. Uh huh. So people were edgy. Yeah, and there was. Uh, Literally, I mean, I think that was back in the day when they had um, institutions. You know, it was before Reagan deinstitutionalized right. the. the um, well, the city got a lot. I would imagine. I know. You know, I was a little kid in San Francisco at that time, but there was a year when suddenly there were all these crazy people in the streets, and that's when yeah. Reagan kind of closed all the. Yeah, we kind of gave up on them and let them out. And, and let them out, and, and they all and came they, into the. And cities. you know, and one made it to Marlon's house, and he crashed the gate. Anyway, that continent, continental Mark Four, for all you old people out there that knows what that is, it's a big car, and um, so anyway, that night I parked my car in front of the gate, um, just like the Godfather, in the first Godfather. <laughs> And I thought, wow, man, I'm I'm in the movies, which, you know, that's a whole other thing that happened to me is that sometimes I didn't concentrate on my career as much as my private life because my private life was like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because right after that, uh, I think it was less than three years later, I was working for Helena and uh, Jack Nicholson, Helena Caliganotes. Um, uh, who? She, she is 
in the gal in five easy pieces they pick up is a hitchhiker that wants to go to Alaska, man. Okay. And he asks why, and I think she says it's because it's clean. That sounds like the line from Lawrence of Arabia, but it's also Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. Why do you like the desert, Lawrence? And he looks at the annoying reporter and he says, because it's clean. Yeah. And the reporter is sweaty and gross. You know, but that, there's there's a logic in that for sure, Mm -hmm. you know, with both. So, okay, so you you suddenly found yourself as uh, guarding Marlon's house and then he took you on privately because uh, you charmed him. Right? Well, like I would say, back in those days, security guard really meant like babysitter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not 911 when Mr. Brando is heading to the car. And, you know, it was none of that. It was more like, you know, let's go get some Chinese food. And he'd come down in a dress, you know, or a, or a barrister's hat with a beard. and So he went out in costume. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I worked for Marlon. Then I went to work for Jack. And Helena, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson and Helena Calianotes. As, as a kind of assistant guard uh, as well? Or? Well, I built a club called Helena's, which was in Echo Park, right across from Rampart Station. And, um, you know, I did a lot of construction on it and worked there to, at the beginning. And it went on for about five years, mm-hmm. I guess. It was a big, I mean, it was a really exclusive club before, you know, paparazzi was around. Right, so you'd have, on any given night, obviously Jack would be there. I mean, give me like a little sort of... Well, I was sitting at a table. There's like a wide table, right, in the middle, and who's sitting at the table with you? I was sitting. I was sitting. It was Helena, always right by my side. uh, uh, Who was it? It was uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, Some guy in a beard and long hair, (laughs) Joe Pesci, and uh, Harvey Keitel and me. And Helene and me. Alright, so so it took me I, I I you know, about I guess till about the end of dinner to figure out that guy was Robert De Niro shooting the mission. Oh right. He had the, the long yeah, beard yeah, and okay. hair and, and I thought, Wow, this guy has an intense stare, you know? Like I didn't know who he was and then I finally looked at him because you, you couldn't look him in the eye, you know? Because <laughs> you were terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe I was 21. Maybe I was 21 mm-hmm. by that time. Any other questions you need to know for my income tax? Uh, well, okay, so you were uh, um, the kid from Louisiana. The kid from De Quincey. Making, making do in L.A. And yeah. suddenly yeah. catapulted into this uh, world of... You know, yeah, m- it was legends. A, it, um, yeah, it was a and uh, you know, crazy. T- tell me, tell me, I don't know. Tell me a story about being at a party and being at a at a place. You know, oh, I'd love man. to hear hear what what Craig Stark from De Quincey, Louisiana, does at a party when he doesn't know anything about Hollywood life. Well, I'll tell you something that wasn't connected with. Uh... No, I can't tell that story. <laughs> Come on, man. No, man. No, no. No, no. All right. You know, it's a funny thing, because that's why Jack, and I I know that's why Marlon liked me around, is because, you know... um, You wouldn't tell. You know, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes... But, I mean, we are talking about three and a half decades ago. So? 
<laughs> it's a time machine, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, All right. The people you grew up with in De Quincey, how do they feel about Craig Stark living in Hollywood? From your mother, from your father, from your brother, <laughs> from your the you know from the kids who used to see you bagging groceries outside your dad's shop. What they think of you when you were able to say, "Oh, I, I'm I'm working with Marlon Brando and hanging out with Robert De Niro." You know, they called me Hollywood and then bought me a shot and then like maybe one of them wanted to beat me up. Just like the old days. Just like the old days. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but you know, wait, I was on a soap and I was on this soap for, I don't know, like six weeks and, <laughs> and, 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 and my hometown had a, had a parade for me, you know, <laughs> I mean, not for me, but I was in the parade. I shouldn't right. say that. It was a Christmas parade, and I was in the parade. And I was, you know, I was doing that. Uh, that's a parade way, by the way. Right. So, I, I told the mom, Marlon, all the moms recognize you from the soap opera. Oh yeah, soaps were huge back then, man. I mean, right. that soaps were king. Um, but um, Marlon, you know, <laughs> I tell you know, I tell Marlon, I said, Marlon, man, you know, I think I'm selling out. Uh, doing this soap opera and he looked at me straight in the eye and he goes kid yeah you can't sell out if you if you haven't sold anything which is sound i mean that's logic yeah that's logical yeah. you know it's true uh i mean you know look some people hit the zeitgeist and marlon and them uh are you know, they're geniuses in the fact that they do a lot of homework and it's not homework. You know what I mean? Well, they were able to get into something real and that and that was respected by the yeah. by the community. They both hit that, you know, Jack and Marlon both hit a zeitgeist that was uh, a, a, a transformation in, in, in how the American male was, was perceived. Uh, perceived. I asked the two about the present mood in American society. You... Uh get into conflict now with people from back home because of politics, right? Because you're the guy uh, who came out to Hollywood and has different attitudes now. How, how do you deal with that? Especially in the, well, the era we're in now politically where there's such division. Hmm. Well, I, I have a lot of empathy, but, you know, it also extends to, like, what we're used to, you know, as, um, you know, what our environment's about. I'm in the city. I live... Literally, I live on top of so many different kinds of people that I'm used to a lot of things and not fearful of things because I'm, you know, it's in my day-to-day -day life. And I can see how when it's not in your day-to-day -day life how you can be fearful of it. But, you know, look, I just saw a documentary called Brainwash my fa uh, Brainwashing of My Father. What's that? I, I think that's the title. I may be butchering it. It's about, you know, just feeding into any kind of uh, agenda, you know? Like, you feeding on it. If you're feeding on an agenda, then you're going you're gonna to not see the people in front of you, mm -hmm. which is what life is about, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think this is, this is what's so scary to me about... Um, Here's to human beings, man. Here's to human beings. Right. We all love each other, really. Uh, you know, we have a, a country that's very 
geographically divided. Physi- people are physically divided from yeah, their own families. Yeah, but it's all bullshit, man. But it's all bullshit. I mean, we look. I mean, we all want the same thing, which but is they make a. Well, I think we all want love in our lives. Mm-hmm. I think we all want our loved ones in our lives. I think we all want to share our experiences with those people as much as we can because we do realize the older we get that life is a short sweet stroke man yeah and it's only them which is corporations or governments that want to like divide us you know you like cheetos and oh that's terrible for you cheetos like you know that it's it gets to be about you know, it gets to be about us versus them, and it's not really about that. But look, like, I, that's what I love about the Internet. We're finding out that, you know, all that Coke is not the real thing, man, and milk does not do a body good, and the philosophy that they feed you is more for monetary to kill us off. By the way, we're having what... So you want me to do this first? Sure. We're having a salon tonight, which I know sounds ridiculous. What is that? Uh, I have 20, 25 people, friends, coming over. Uh, the friend of mine, Bonnie, runs it, hmm. and people come over and we talk about the issues of the day. Really? Together, and and it's a wonderful thing to do. And it's sound yeah. kind of silly when someone sets it up like, oh, you know, everyone come over to so and so's house on Sunday evening, and we're going to talk about specific things that are on our minds, and we just sit and talk about. And some and someone will bring a few articles that you read in advance, or you don't. I never do. And then we just talk about stuff. It's really great. But the the notion is that we sit in a circle and we talk. No, I don't go to that communist bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it sounds great. This story that's unfolding now is a reflection of not only them, but us. You know, it's a story of us all. Well, sorry, who is them? Who are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about whoever you disagree with. We have Trump. Okay. This story that is unfolding, called Trump, is because of us and them, and it's unfolding. You can be sure it's not over. Mm-hmm. So, but he reflects us. You know, like, I'm a liberal, but I was asleep, which means sort of an egotistical thing about that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I do and have... Uh, learned a lot over the past couple of years mm-hmm. about getting active and uh, you know freedom isn't free and if you watch out the, there's uh, people want to take that away from you. but you know the thing is not people it's corporation I mean look big money you know it's what I don't understand but it, big money is you always want to think the best of people mm-hmm. and, and, and you always want to think the best of your boss you know you do yeah. because you're working for him you, and another way to put it is you're giving the hours of your precious and your finite life, life to someone else to someone and trusting them and somewhere along the way we we lost our way in thinking that you know, it's all P.T. Barnum now, you know, and it's all, it's the art of the deal. The art of the deal is about if they don't know it and you can screw them over, 
you've just taught them a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not about you screwing somebody over. You know, getting the most you can get out of them and then throw them away. Um, government is about community. And at our grassroot level, you know, they're hearing about it in town halls now and stuff. And, and I, I, I want to go to, and I want to hear about those in Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, anyway, I, I stay off the internet, but I do keep informed about, like, activities that are going on. And the salon thing, getting back to that, I would love to come. Because, you know, what I'm fearful of is the next thing is war. And that, I, I am in fear of that. And I, you know, and so I, that's where I, you know, my brothers and sisters all over the world, including the South, uh, I'm in fear of them starting a war for profit and we're the expense. Yep. And I love people, you know. I don't want to lose them and I don't want them to go through experiences and then we come back and we bring them back into society and we go, oh, here's a nice tent for you underneath the overpass over there. And, but we'll kick you out every now and then just to show you that we appreciate you. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you know, here's the thing. I grew up religious. And it drove me away. Rock and roll drove me away, basically. <laughs> I mean, because it was too much lure of rock and roll. That aside, the teachings, I thought, were sound. The religious teachings? Yes, of like, treat others as you would want to be treated. Don't judge, yet ye be judged. Mm-hmm. You know, these things that are basic, don't lie. You, you feel it when you lie. And who hasn't lied? Yeah. Who hasn't sinned? Yeah. But can we forgive? I mean, but here's the thing. How can, how can, I don't know if I could go to church and love life. Mm-hmm. And then say, I have an agenda against meal on wheels. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's one missile. <laughs> well, I mean, but the thing is, I, I mean, I, it just I, doesn't make sense yeah, to me. Yeah, but I happen to, look, I happen to agree with you yeah. about, for example, meals on wheels. My dad gets meals on wheels. And, um, it, <laughs> Mr. Gold. Uh, and What's the, your dad's name? Herbert. Herbert, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I've not but, read any of his books, and I'm ashamed. But you need to give me one of his books. I have. You have? Yeah. Which one? Fathers. Because I, we were talking about your father, and I thought you. You should. gave me that book. Yeah, I'll give you another copy. Where did I put it? I don't know. You got a book collection. It's probably in there. When? But I don't know. A couple of years ago. Oh. It's okay. I'll give you another one. Back in the mushroom days. Anyway, you uh, got to cut that. But but Meals on Wheels, you know, you you. Would okay, wait. You. <laughs> You would think we can all agree on that, but yeah. there are people in this country who think that um, anything that um, involves the government taking care of people is connected to the new world order where they're trying to control us. And that is a kind of paranoia that's taken over where um, something as innocuous and wonderful and frankly cheap as meal, Meals on Wheels, cheap compared to you know what we spend, for example, in one day in the military versus a year in wheels, Meals on Wheels, uh, has become a political wedge where people say, oh, that's entitlements or that's, um, 
you know, old people should pick themselves up by their bootstraps or <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's something. There's something that. Uh, but there might be people who, who think your defense of Meals on Wheels means you've bought the Kool Aid of yeah. you know California liberal. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look. And. Uh, I mean, the thing that I find challenging when you talk about religion <laughs> is that what I see as. Uh, Christian values, or anyway, the values of the Sermon on the Mount, um, I see that we have a lot of people who see themselves as Christian in this country acting in a way that is very um, different, in my view, than what uh, Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount. And that's that's the challenge that I have in seeing the spirituality of, of these people who I'm sure their heart's in the right place. But if uh, if that well, here's the thing, is their heart through. is in the right place. Yeah, and, I, and the thing is that uh, this is what's weird about big media, and you know, and I don't mean all media. I just mean you know people that want to uh, use the news. Uh, what is the word? Saliciously. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To entice instead of report, as we used to have in the old days. We used to have Walter Cronkite. And he reported the news like this. And, you know, there was sort of like we got the news, we assimilated it between ourselves in Mm -hmm. person. By the way, prehistoric days, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And we assimilated it. And interpreted. Interpreted in our own. And it was, look, people act a little kinder in person. Than they do. Well, have you seen that? There's a great video that's sort of floating around right now of of a bunch of dogs, you know, barking at each other extremely violently at this at this gate, (laughs) Um, and there's a bunch on both sides, and it just looks like a war is about to happen. And then someone presses the button on the gate, and the gate slides away, and all the dogs just back up. (laughs) But you know, and this is the internet. This is the way people you know, scream at each other on the internet and then as soon as you get face to face you put back off from the fight but the tragedy is that if people are spending all their time on the internet then they're spending their time in a feeling of hatred right? Oh, wow uh, you know, I divorced myself from the internet like last summer because I had the what I call a naked summer. I had the chance to ask Ari and Craig for their opinions on several movies, uh, starting here with the original Planet of the Apes. You can also watch episodes and follow us at basicfreedoms.tv. Oh, which Planet of the Apes? No, the, well, the first <laughs> four. Heston. The first four, the Heston. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, I mean, which one? Yeah, the first one, Planet of the Apes, one, Heston. But have you seen the new... The new no, ones? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about it. There's only one. There's only, look, you know, there's only one <laughs> Heston. <laughs> All right. It's people. Oh, that's not Planet of the Apes. I saw it green, man, but, you know, it still has It's the same yet. ending. It's the same ending. It's the... Hey. So then green is people, and you, you blow it all to hell. Wait, what, how does it end? Yeah, so you yeah. fools! He's banged it. He, he's banging the sand because he realizes, as the audience realizes, that this is Earth and its future. Mm-hmm. But that's what was great about storytelling then, is that you could still be surprised by uh, original 
takes on things that have been done a thousand times. Right. You know. Next question. Another movie title, Car Wash. Oh, dude, I love Car Wash. I mean, that's... That, that's your era, Car Wash. Did you yeah. work at a car wash as a kid? So, yeah, I did work at a car wash, but that movie... I mean, I mean, there was, for me, there was no bigger comedian than Richard Pryor. You know, I love Steve Martin and Arrow Through the Head in a condo made of stoner, but Richard Pryor, like, told it like it was. And it was funny. It made it funny. You know, I mean, that's what we miss. I mean, was Richard Pryor in Car Wash? Yeah, he's the guy who comes in at the end, right? I haven't seen Car Wash, man. You didn't see Car Wash? No, I was too, I mean, there's a... It's a little ahead of my time. I mean, I I could watch it now, admittedly. But, yeah. And maybe Richard I Pryor will. Richard Pryor is in it. Now, I could be wrong. Because <laughs> I, I can never be sure. Because the Google, in the old days, man, you used to be able to go to a party and you'd be, you could tell a story, you know? Yeah, and no one and would tell. No, yeah, it's like it's true. the Google could prove you wrong. I remember there was a music video that I saw somewhere on television before before YouTube and Google and I was in Serbia and I was having a wow an a, a fling with um, a VJ who was like the What's head VJ, VJ oh, video, the video jockey, jockey right on now. the TV station mm-hmm. in Serbia wow and she she was a wonderful person which took me up to the 12th floor of the biggest building in Belgrade which blew in the wind because it was felt like it was falling apart what? and I said to her is this real? This, yeah and I said there's this video I saw and I described it to her music video and she said I know how to show you that video and I said you're a VJ and then we went into the <laughs> you know into the closets and there were all these tapes and she pulled out this tape and it was Poor Lino by uh, Roiksop a, Roik's, uh, a uh, Norwegian like techno band and she showed it to me but it was such a magical thing to to meet somebody who knew how to access that specific piece of information now of course you can access any piece of information you want instantly which is cool in some ways but uh, it also was cool to not know things sometimes and have to fight to know them because you could really have to fight and if you were someone who wanted to you know I really wanted to see that video again I didn't even know what it was and uh, you know now you can uh, Google it. You know, man, I really feel sorry for your generation. That's right below us because you're the real bridge that everybody's stepping on. <laughs> we we were the fucked generation because yeah. you know my my brother Ethan has a theory that because my generation had less population, we we're in a population trough. <laughs> Culture was really catering to your generation, what was it? and then. And then there was another population boom, and then population, then the culture catered to the generation after us. But our generation was sort of like, we had no buying power, so culture uh, never yeah, really see, catered to us. Everything is politicized now. It is, but it's also us that's doing it because yes. I know you're off Facebook for the last year. No, but, I see it. I mean, you know, I'm off Facebook. People are but, on know, there every day posting, yeah. and then removing friends who disagree with them. I did one uh, last night. You you posted something that... Man, I just looked at this guy's thing, his Facebook uh, page, and um, he had like 60 political posts in the past 24 hours. 
everybody's famous now, but famous people used to talk amongst themselves about when they became famous, they gave their nervous systems away to the universe, to, the, to, to all the people. That's what we all having to do okay, now. Okay, this is interesting. I'd like to who said that to you first? Uh, well, George Harrison said it, and that's where somebody heard that George Harrison said. And, uh, God, who was it that said it to me? Do I have to link this up? No, I'm just curious. That's oh. a beautiful notion, that, uh, and I guess people could catch See, that. See, that's the Google you know, in him that's stepping no, on his back. No, no, no. I think it's a beautiful concept no, that, I love that, you, that's been... That's been that's been uh, transferred you're a through you, man. but that um, I don't care what they say about you. I think you're cool, man. Like. That the, uh, the your nervous system <laughs> is joke. given up. Your nervous system is given up to the world at large when you become famous. This is what you're saying, and they, and well, therefore now with yeah. everyone posting everything or yeah. trying to become Instagram celebrities or whatever, they're they're actually giving up all of us. Their their. Uh, nervous system their bioelectric uh, circuitry yeah. and in some sense trying to spread it out further the way a star spreads out its light but in another sense you're you're dispersing your energy to the point where you can no longer function yeah right yes really what's attractive is mystery next question Cannes Film Festival anyone you going to Cannes? Yeah. You're Just not going? You're not, not going? Not that I know of. Yes, you're going. Oh, we said we talked about this. Yes. Fuck. Who's younger than mine? Ten years older than you, aren't I? You're older than me, but what the 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 challenge is that I I don't like going to film festivals yes, unless, so. I a a unless I have a film. Who gives a shit? I don't have a film. Blah, blah, blah. A film. Blah, blah, blah. I did. Blah. I did. Blah. Blah. Come I, on, man. Come on, man. We've been you over go to this. We've been over this and over this and over this, and I'm sick of it. Okay, but okay. here's the thing. I will go to Cannes with you if you finish your screenplay inspired by your father. Yes. Because it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it will be finished. There it is. Did you hear this? You're going to finish Did it because you were, supposed, you were supposed to have a first draft by January 1st. No, the 15th. 15th. But still, it's not that. It's later. You can follow host Ari Gold on Twitter and Instagram at Ari Gold, that's A-R-I-G-O-L-D, and on Facebook at Ari Gold Films. For more about the series director, visit moanred.com. That's M-O-A-N-R-E-D.